are you ready for Christmas, could say yes. A few people, right? Not many. No, I'm not. I'm not ready for Christmas. How many of you would say you're in the Christmas spirit? Maybe a few more, okay. It's not easy. How many know it's not easy to get in the Christmas, Christmas spirit? It's not easy, you know, especially uh, in the world we live in, the, all the responsibilities and all the stuff going, it's not easy. But over the last few weeks, we've done a few things. All of us have done a few things that, that help us get into the Christmas spirit. We had our Dream Team Christmas party a few weeks ago, and that, that was a start of getting us in the Christmas spirit. Uh, we had Christmas in the park here in the community, and that's another thing that gets us in the Christmas spirit. This last Saturday, uh, last week, my wife and I got to be out of town, and we went to, for King and Country, their Drummer Boy concert at the Amway Center, and it was all like a big Christmas celebration. It was wonderful. And uh, so we had a great time over there and got us in the Christmas spirit. This last week, my wife and I had to be in Jacksonville. And we, one of the things we went to is the mall. And uh, how many know that I like going to the mall? And, uh, and people question, people say, are you a real man? You like to go shopping. Yeah, I love to go to the mall. But, but at the mall, they had Christmas music and decorations and, and it was really great. Then Friday night, we had our big family Christmas dinner and with all the family. And, and it was just all of these things and all the things that you do are really kind of designed to help us get into the Christmas spirit in the world we live because it's not easy. But I love Christmas. How many love Christmas? I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the music, the food. But you know what? I, I, as I grow older, the things that I come to love the most is family and our gatherings. Family, friends, getting together, spending time together. You know, that's what helps us really to get into the Christmas spirit. But I, I love Christmas, but it just comes too fast. How many know that? How many, how many have said, boy, it came really fast this year? I know when I put that tr pulled that tree out, I just put that away last month. I know I did. At least, at least it feels that way. You know, they're just, at this time of year, there's too many things to do and people are just too busy. How many of you know that? Right? I've come to the conclusion that if we're not careful, Christmas can get in the way of Christmas. How many know and know what I'm talking about? Christmas can get in the way of Christmas. What I mean by that is the Christmas the world tries to sell us. And make no mistake about it, Christmas to the world is a marketing event after event after event. That's why you, it's on TV. It, it's, it's, it's marketing in the world. And the Christmas that the world tries to sell us can get in the way of the real Christmas and what it really means. So my encouragement to you this year is don't let Christmas get in the way of Christmas. Don't let Christmas get in the way of Christmas this year. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Uh, actually, what I want you to do is get your Bibles out and open to Matthew, but also open to the book of Luke, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 1. 
And we're going to kind of go back and forth. So this is going to be, this is going to be some, some exercise this morning in being able to hold your finger in place and go back and forth, okay? In my notes here, I kind of drew arrows because we're going to go around and around. We're going to go back and forth. And if you have, your, if you have the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, and you want to take notes and take them home with you, if you'll open up your YouVersion Bible app, and if you'll go to the little word more on the bottom, and then click events, uh, it'll sum up, and you'll see where it says new life. All you do is click that, and you'll have our message notes. Make sure you save it, okay? Because if you don't save it, you lose it, okay? And how many know if you don't get saved, you lose? Amen. Okay? You know? How many know Jesus always saved, right? <laughs> I think of that all the time when I'm working on a document. You know, Jesus saved, I better save too, right? <laughs> the title of my message today is The Nativity. The Nativity. And this picture of the Nativity is the traditional Nativity scene with, with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the three wise men. And, the, and baby Jesus in the manger, and all the animals around it. It's the, the traditional nativity scene. So let's pray, and then let's talk about the nativity. Father, Lord, we just pray, Lord, today, Lord, that we would be open to hear, Lord, the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we would be disciplined in the way that we would be able to block out the if you will, the marketing of the world, the voices of the world about what Christmas is, and that we would hear your voice and your presence, and we would know by experience what Christmas is this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I often do, I've been pondering. I ponder questions to the Lord. How many do that? Just kind of like, what if God or... How about this, God? And, and then I usually, I usually go and I search them out in Scripture and I pray in the Holy Spirit that the, the Lord would open those things up to me. But I've recently been pondering this question in my mind. Had Adam and Eve never sinned, sin never entered into the world, would Jesus still have been born into the world? Now, my first response from that was this. Well, there would have been no need for it. And most people that have answered that question when I've asked them, because I wanted to get what other people thought about, that would be no need for it. But the problem with this, with that answer, is it kind of puts sin at the center of Christmas. Sin is the only reason Jesus came. It kind of makes us think that. And most people would say, but pastor, didn't Jesus come into the world to save the world? Yes, he did, absolutely. That's why Jesus came, to save the world. But there's a bigger story to Christmas and the, and the reason Jesus came than just to come and to save the world, to save our souls, if you will, to save us from sin. In the book of Acts, there's a passage of Scripture that a lot of us read, but we don't think about it in the context of the Christmas story. And it's in Acts 3.21. And this bigger picture speaks of the restoration of all things. The restoration of all things. See, Jesus, 
didn't just, underline the word just, didn't just come to save us from our sins. Is that a shocker? Okay. Jesus didn't just come so that we could go to heaven when we die. Is that a shocker? I got to tell you that, that I believe when we die, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. But I believe there's a bigger picture about what happens. See, I don't believe that, that all eternity will be sitting on a cloud someplace playing a harp with no purpose. In fact, I believe God's got great plans for this earth and thus the restoration of all things, okay? So we're not going to go too much into that this morning, but I believe that Jesus came so that all things, say all things, all things would be restored as God intended it from the beginning. Jesus came so that all things, everything could be restored as God purposed it from the beginning. See, the nativity, the picture of the nativity is a beautiful picture of what Jesus came to restore. First, Jesus came to restore righteousness in the earth. He came to restore righteousness in the earth. You guys seem really quiet. You don't have to be quiet, okay? Jesus came to restore righteousness in the earth. Mary and Joseph, in this nativity picture, Mary and Joseph are a picture, a symbol, a type of righteousness. Turn to Luke, open to Luke 1, 26. I'll try to take my time as we switch back and forth, but you're going to have to really work at this one, okay? But Luke 1, 26, 27 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. How many know Mary was a virgin? We all know what that means, right? That she had known no man. She was a virgin. Mary was, was righteous before God. She was a virgin. She was pure and righteous before God. Now turn back to Matthew 1. I told you, hold your finger both places. We're going to keep going back and forth. I'm testing you today, right? How fast can you find it, right? <laughs> Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, says... Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, in some versions it says being a just man, being a good man, but, and, but that word in the Greek is righteous. And Joseph her husband being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. See, Joseph was a symbol or a type of a good and righteous and moral person. Mary and Joseph were pictures of righteousness. They represented in the nativity. They represented God's desire. Why Jesus came to restore righteousness in the earth. Mary was pure and holy before God. Joseph was a good man and a moral man. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you don't have to turn there. 
Just be ready to go back and forth between Luke and Matthew, okay? But you can read this one up. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, speaking of Jesus, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How many know God wants us to be righteous? How many know that Jesus came to restore righteousness in the earth? Amen? He came. Righteousness means right standing with God. How many of you... How many of you know that Jesus came to put us into right standing with God? Give us access to God. Give us fellowship with God. Amen? So first we see that Jesus came to restore righteousness, right standing with God. Second, Jesus came, and this is really powerful. I mean, righteousness is like so big. It's such a, a, a powerful thing. But listen to this. Jesus came to restore heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Turn back to Luke. Now we're going to go to Luke 2, 8. You there? Okay, Luke 2, 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. How many would be afraid like they were at that moment, right? Uh, we don't even know what the angels look like, but we know that they, they were probably huge, and, and the, the glory of the Lord showing around them, they were afraid. That was a natural response of a human being was to be afraid of that. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Say that, to all, all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, say suddenly. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. What a beautiful picture of heaven in earth. It's a revelation of what Jesus came and told his disciples how to pray. Jesus' disciples says, teach us how to pray. And he says, pray, thy kingdom come, the kingdom of God come in earth as it is in heaven. How many know it is God's will that heaven not be someplace we go when we die, but that heaven be a place that we live in in the midst of the earth? Jesus came to restore heaven in the earth. It says, and suddenly there was with, an, with the angel a multitude of what kind of host? Heavenly host. Praising God. Just imagine the heavens suddenly, say suddenly, the, he, the heavens suddenly opened up. <laughs> Think of that. Heavens opened up. Heaven and earth collided the supernatural invaded the natural. And they were all there together. How many know people, shepherds, which were not considered to be the, 
the, you know, the best type of people in that time. But heaven opened up to them. How many know heaven? God wants heaven to open up to us and Jesus came. Jesus came so that heaven can kiss our earth. Jesus came so that the supernatural can invade the natural. That heaven and earth will no longer be separated, but that heaven can be a part of our daily lives. Jesus came to restore heaven and earth. Amen? I'm going to tell you, you want to change your life? Pray, thy kingdom come every day. Lord, I want your kingdom in my earth. Your kingdom in my problems. I want your kingdom. I want heaven to invade my earth right now, today. In the midst of all of the stuff we go through, whether it be health issues or whether it be financial or, or just relation, whatever it is, invite his kingdom in the midst of it. It'll change everything. The third thing we see is Jesus came to restore worship in the earth. How many know that we were created for worship? Your divine purpose, your creation was to worship. I'm gonna say it, that, say it again. Your created purpose was to worship. Are you hearing me, church? It wasn't to be this or to be that, but your created purpose was to worship. Matthew, go back to Matthew. Where are we at now? Where are you at? You're in Matthew or Luke? <laughs> or did you jump over to Corinthians or whatever? <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. These were, they were called wise men. They were, they were foreigners. They were Gentiles. I mean, study says that they may have been part Jew and part foreigner, if you will, part Gentile, but they were Gentiles. They were foreigners. They were, they were not from this same area. In fact, ancient writings teach us that they had probably seen this star months or even years before the birth of Jesus. Before any of this happened, they had seen his star, maybe prophetically, maybe in the natural, who knows, but they had seen this star and they saw in this. And, and how many of you know that, that if they saw the star in a foreign land months or even years. How many know that's a message in itself that God wants to reach the whole world? All people, every place. Not just in Jerusalem, not just in Galilee or Nazareth, not just Christians. God wants to reach the world. That's what the blessing is when we, when we invest in missionaries and their ministries around the world, church. That's why we do things like double it at Christmas, to be a blessing to them. Jesus may have been born king of the Jews, but these foreigners, these Gentiles, had come to worship him. Gentiles, non-Jews, had seen the star 
and had come to worship him. Matthew 2.11 says, and when they had come into the house, these guys had probably been traveling months or, or years maybe in search of, of a, a prophetic message. Hear this, church. They had been in search and they traveled for months or years. They traveled all for the purpose of what they were getting ready to experience. Today, it's hard to just get people to drive five miles to church. Think about these. Think about this. Think about Gentiles. These were non-Jews. These were not God's chosen family. And they saw a star. They heard a prophetic word and they said, I've got to get there. Listen to me, church. And when they had camped into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all very expensive gifts. You see, these wise men were wealthy, they were people of great influence. They were regarded in society. Yet look at what they did when they came to him in his presence. They fell down. Let me describe worship to you as God intended. When you come into his presence, you can't stand, you can't talk. You fall down before him and worship him. And then they brought gifts. They were prepared. Years before, they, they, this, they heard this prophetic word and they said, we're gonna be prepared. We're gonna not just take our hearts and go to church, if you will. They didn't just say we're gonna, no, we're gonna take our most expensive and prized possessions, their wealth. We're gonna take our treasures and we're gonna worship God. We're going to worship this, this child who has been born. King of the Jews is God. We're going to take everything we are. Worship is everything we are. We come, we fall down, and we, we lay it at his feet. Jesus told a Samaritan woman that he met at the well one day. Do you remember the story? Here's what he told her. This is John 4.23. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. We talk about seeking God, but how about God seeking you? And what is he seeking from you? Worship. And what is worship? It's falling down in his presence. It's bringing our treasures, not just our hearts, not just our voices, not just our instruments. It's bringing everything God has blessed us with and laying it at his feet. Are you hearing me, church? The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, Jesus came to restore worship in the earth, real worship, true worship 
in the earth, church. And I'm going to tell you, it starts right here. It starts with us. It starts with us changing our mindset about what worship is. Understand, church. The fourth thing I want to, to see this morning is that Jesus came to restore life. Life in the earth. Life. Say life. Sin and disobedience had brought death into the earth. It had brought death to life. God created earth and he created the garden for a place of life. Sin, disobedience, rebellion brought death to earth. And what most of us don't think about is all creation was subjected to the death because of man's disobedience, rebellion, and sin. All creation, the whole creation. This is the reason when we look at the nativity, there's animals in the picture because they're a part of this, this restoration of all things because all creation, Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image of the invisible God. How many you know Jesus is God invading earth? He is a type of his kingdom. He's the type of the heavens open up. Jesus invades earth. Heaven and earth collide through Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Listen to this, the firstborn over all creation. See, most of us think he's the firstborn over man and men and women and people. No, he says he's firstborn. How many know Jesus is the creator? The Bible tells us he created all things and all things were created through him and for him. How many know everything you have, everything you are was created by him and was created for him? That brings us back to worship, folks. So many people today are filled with, but that's mine. I'll give you so much. I'll give you a little peace, but no, that's mine. No, all of us, everything you are was created for him, by him, and it was to come back to use to worship him. Are you hearing me, church? Unfortunately, most of the time we hear messages, when you give to God, God blesses you. And that's all selfish in its own. It's not about that. It's about worship, folks. It's about us being created to worship him because by him and for him work all things created. Why? To bring him worship. Romans 8, 21 says, creation itself, listen to this, creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Amen. Creation, all creation. How many of you know that Jesus didn't come just so that I can be saved from my sins. Jesus didn't just come so that I can go to heaven when I die. How many know if Jesus just wanted me to go to heaven, he could take me? I mean, if he could go walk through walls, if he can ascend, he could have just said, well, I'm just gonna take you to heaven, right? Think about that. He didn't come. He didn't come just so that we could go to heaven. He came, he came to restore life in the earth. All creation, all earth was subjected to death, but Jesus came to restore life. Say that with me. He came to restore 
life. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. At the center of the nativity, lying in a manger is God in flesh, heaven coming to earth, surrounded by people worshiping him. How many know the nativity is a picture of what God intended in the garden? The central focus of the nativity is Emmanuel, God, life with us. Are you hearing me, church? Life restored as God intended in the garden. You want to know what the garden was like? Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every day, I believe, every day we can see more of what the garden was intended, what the garden looked like in the earth because he intended to restore life, bring life to us. Jesus in John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life. And I added the word again. I have come that they may have life again and that they may have it more abundantly. The more abundantly part means more abundantly than you ever thought, knew, or even thought it could be. Are you hearing me, church? He has come to give you life intended as it was in the garden, which is more abundant than we could imagine or think. That's true life. Life with God, fellowship with God. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on back up, but I want you to hear this morning, understand Jesus came to restore life. Jesus came to restore everything. Hear this, church. He came to restore everything that was lost in the garden. Everything. Not parts, not bits and pieces, not little bit. He came to restore everything. Understand, God will not fail at his mission. When you understand that God created the heavens and the earth, you understand of what he did. He didn't go, uh-oh, man, things really got off track and uh, what am I gonna, no. God intended it to be a place of fellowship, a place of worship, intended to be a place of life, of righteousness, where no separation between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth interact God and man have fellowship together where there's life, there's freedom. Hear this, freedom from sin and sickness and death. That's his purpose. He cannot fail. He, this will be the case. God will restore all things through Jesus. Are you hearing me, church? When you come to the points in your life and you're going through whatever difficulty it is where, where you just wonder, God, where are you in the midst of this? Or, or maybe you're going through a sickness and you're going, God, will I ever recover? Will I ever get through this? Or maybe you're going through a financial time and say, I just can't dig myself out of this hole. I want you to understand, God came to restore all things. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about his plan. 
He's come to restore everything. To restore life as God intended. Fellowship, eternal fellowship with the Creator, Jesus. This is the greatest gift of all, church. How do you see Christmas this year? He's the gift. This is the gift. Don't fall victim to the marketing of the world. This is the gift of Christmas. It's that God has come so that you can be the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. God has come so heaven can open up to you as you call for heaven, as you interact with Him. The heavens will open up to you. He's come so that to restore true worship in your life, true worship, He's come that you could have life and life more abundant to restore the life He originally intended. That's why He's come. That's the gift of Christmas. See, we have to... The word repentance is a word that means to change the way you think. My hope today is that what I've shared with you this revelation of God to me that I give to you, that I share with you, will change the way you think about this Christmas. Are you hearing me, church? God wants this for you. He wants this for me. He wants it for your home. He wants it for your family, your children, your grandchildren. He wants it for you. This is the life He intended for us. All we have to do Stopped, stop and accept it. Would you bow your heads with me? My message to you today, church, don't let the world, the world's Christmas, get in the way of Christmas, of the true meaning of Christmas. Don't let Christmas get in the way of Christmas. Resist it, fight it, work at it, pray through it, worship through it, give through it. Be blessed through it. Call on God to open up the heavens through it. Ask God to change your life, to change your mind through it. So through this Christmas, you'll have a nativity experience. That's my prayer for you, church. All you have to do to receive this, whether you're joining us online, whether you're here in person, It's just open up your hearts to that. Say, God, that's what I want for this Christmas. That's the only gift I want. That's the only gift I want is that Christmas. Open your hearts to Jesus right now. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, everybody in this place, just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I open my heart to you. The Bible says that if we'll just accept Him as Savior, say, Lord, I accept You in my heart as my Savior. You save me, Lord. I accept You as Savior. And invite Him to be the Lord of your life from this day forward. You see, Jesus can only be Savior if He is also Lord. 
He can only be Lord if He's also Savior. That means when we come into His presence, we can't help ourselves but to fall down and worship Him. So Father, today, today I just pray that every person in this house, I pray that they've opened their hearts, that they have Lord, that they have opened their heart to, to get you, that they, to receive you. They've opened our heart, Lord, to accept you. They've opened their, their heart, Lord, to invite you in, to change them, to transform them. God, that's my prayer. And if that's you today, with everybody's eyes closed, just take one step and just put your hand up so that I can pray specifically for you today. What you're saying is, I just... I want a fresh new experience like this. I want him to restore everything I lost in the garden. So Father, I pray, Lord, over every person with their hands raised. I pray over every person here, but specifically that those that have opened their hearts, that have accepted him, that have invited him in today to do a work, I pray over them, Lord, today. Lord, that the work will be done. Lord, that they will hear your voice. Lord, crying off in a distance, it's finished. That's the work I'm doing. That's the work I've done in your heart. So Father, I pray this, Lord, today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Lord, during this Christmas season, Lord, may we experience the true Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand to your feet? Just lift your hands to the Lord. Let's just take a moment. Let's worship him. Let's just take a moment, open our hearts and open our voices and just worship him. Just take a moment to worship the God of restoration. Come on, church.